0: Business Women Rock, Episode 31. Ladies, it's time to rock. Welcome to the Business Women Rock Podcast, where we get down and dirty with the world's most incredible businesswomen. Inspire your journey by listening to theirs. And now, here's your host, Katie Kremitzos. What's up, ladies? Welcome to the Business Women Rock podcast. I am so happy that you're here with me today. Before we get into our program, I wanna give you just a little cool piece of news. So as you may or may not know, iTunes gives a cool, awesome, top prime real estate to all of those brand new podcasts that are considered new and noteworthy. And they last about you know eight to nine weeks that you're allowed to get on there and you have the potential to get on there. And we have been very, very blessed because the Business Women Rock podcast was on there a lot during our time. Well, last week, which was our 10th week of production, we that was our very first week that we were not on this section because our time had pretty much ended. They only give you a certain amount of time to be on there. and um, And usually what happens is that numbers really kind of dip, sometimes up to 50%, just because all of a sudden the people who are usually coming to iTunes and searching and being able to see you right then and there, you're not there anymore. So, um, you know, and it's, it's natural and you just kind of progressively keep on going with everything and building your audience. Well, something super cool happened. So last week was our, like I said, our very first week where we were not on the new and noteworthy. And it just so happened that our numbers climbed through the roof last week. Not only did we not have a dip, but we had two of our biggest days ever here on our podcast and i'm so excited about that and i just really want to thank you to me that means that you are sharing this podcast you are continuing to listen and i just i so appreciate that the, the numbers hold true for that and i'm so appreciative that you're here that you're part of this community it means the world to me so i want to get into our episode for today my guest for today is Kelsey Dory who's the founder of vowtobechic.com. Let me start with this little statistic. Did you know that the average bridesmaid spends an average of $1800 per wedding that they're in? <laughs> I could not believe that statistic when she gave it to me. So the bridesmaids industry is absolutely huge and what Kelsey does and what she's created with Vow to Be Chic is a bridal dress rental website basically but this is so much more than an e-commerce business because what Kelsey is doing is something really creative where bridesmaids get a chance to not only rent these dresses and just kind of choose them online but actually try them on and there's this whole systems flow that happens and it's just a really cool story now Kelsey's business is relatively young. She started back in 2012, and so she's really going to share with us a lot about her experience as a startup and then really behind the scenes of this of this really great logistical operational business that she has. So turn up your volume. You're going to love this one. Kelsey, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
0: Now, I am so excited to tell your story and to be able to have everyone listen to this story today because your service and your business that you provide is so cool. You have vow to be chic. And I'm going to let you kind of explain exactly what the system is and what your product is. But it deals with bridesmaids dresses. And I think that there's so many of us out there who will be able to completely connect with why you created this company. So before we really get to your company part, can you tell us a little bit about sort of what your life looked like before you started this company?
1: Yeah, good question. So before I started the company, I, like a lot of people, graduated college and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, what I wanted to do when I got older. So I entered consulting. I knew that I wanted to be in the business field, but wasn't sure exactly where. So went to consulting, loved the challenges and loved the problem solving, but wasn't passionate about the industries that I was working in. So decided finally, you know what, life is short, time to follow my dreams. I've always wanted to work in retail. So I left there and went back to business school and used that time before and during business school to intern with numerous retail companies. So from Bloomingdale to Michael Kors to BCBG and got a really great retail education on the job and my MBA as well. So that's kind of what I was was doing beforehand, but pretty standard things in a lot of ways of trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life.
0: What was the company that you did consulting for? I worked at IBM in their
1: internal strategy group. So we did IBM's worldwide strategy. So any of the IBM locations consulting needs, we were their people within IBM.
0: Gotcha. And that must have been a huge education, really, kind of being behind the scenes and helping strategize through those issues.
1: Yes. And especially at such a massive company, one of my projects, I I was lucky to be on some amazing projects. And one of them was in North America, completely revising and redoing the global strategy, starting with North America. And so started in the North America team and we did it there. And then they needed a subject matter expert to go to Japan and, and help Um, And provide some expertise and learning from North America there. And I was selected to do that. I went and lived in Japan for three months. And yeah, I mean, that was an an incredible education and incredible learning. So definitely amazing time.
0: What do you think were a few of the little concepts or lessons that you really walked away from from that job that you know that you now apply to your business strategies?
1: I think the biggest one was the thinking and the thinking processes that go into being consultant and the the problem solving. So it's basically what questions to ask, how do you ask the right questions. One of the things that I, I loved about consulting is that you're really encouraged to ask hard questions and probe on things and not just accept every answer and really think out of the box and challenge things. And I think that's something that's definitely been very valuable for me. Um, And just that general, what's the the line of problem solving and questions to be asking to really get at the meat of any problem and be able to propose a solution? So that's definitely something that I, I still use on a daily basis.
0: So when you were going back to school, you were going to business school, and you were simultaneously having all these internships with retail. Why retail? Like, where did that interest come about?
1: I've always just had a personal interest in retail since I was young. Um, I actually wanted to attend a fashion school for college. My parents really pushed me to go get a liberal arts degree in case I changed my mind, which is obviously very likely since I was only 18. I've always just had a passion for the retail industry, and I decided, you know what? it's time and I can go work on the business side of the retail industry, right? So there's a lot of talented creative people in the retail and fashion space. And that's not my gift, unfortunately, but I could be the business mind behind some retail companies. So for me, it was just a lifelong dream and passion.
0: And so walk us down kind of what happened that precipitated this idea of vow to be chic? What actually gave you that idea?
1: Well, Valerie Chic, first and foremost, is the designer bridesmaid dress rentals. And so for me, it really started from the experience of being a bridesmaid many times. So it's a, it, it's kind of a crazy process in that you're there supporting one of your closest friends on one of the most important days of their lives. But there's all these pain points built into the current process. You know, my experience of being a bridesmaid and how do we make this more of what it's supposed to be, which is a fun day and it's an honor to be a bridesmaid and it shouldn't be such a stressful process. And then during college, I actually interned in New York City with a wedding planner and was shocked to learn that the bridesmaid dress selection was actually... One of the most stressful parts of the entire wedding planning process. So that was surprising to me because I knew the pain was being a bridesmaid, but then to hear that the bride felt similar pain on their end as well, I knew something needed to be done. And then one day, it just clicked that men have been renting tuxes forever, and women haven't had the option. And so that's really where it came about. And then now we're shared economy applied to so many other industries that you know it just became a natural fit, and I decided to go for it.
0: So can you walk us through exactly how your system works? You are an e-commerce website, so people go to your website. They go to VowToBeChic.com, and they can select through different bridesmaids dresses. And can you just walk us through like that entire system that you have?
1: Of course, yes. Yeah. So e-commerce, we you know serve everyone across the country, which has been amazing. A lot of our weddings have been on different coasts and all around the U.S., so that's wonderful. But yeah, you go to the website, and you'll see our collection of dresses, and we have five amazing top bridesmaid dress designers on there, and all of our dresses come in four different colors, and so you you browse, and typically it'll be the bride, but the bridesmaids are welcome to browse as well, of course, and you select a dress that you like. Some women even select a collection of dresses, so they'll say, you know, I'm okay with my bridesmaids wearing any of these dresses since they're by the same designer, for example. And then the bridesmaids can have the option to choose which style they like that flatters their body type. So that's a neat thing that we're seeing a lot of brides doing now. The bride essentially picks the dress, a few dresses that she likes, and then the bridesmaids submit their measurements, and we place the order. We send them the dress in two sizes to try on based on their measurements long in advance of the wedding. So they try them on, tell us which one fits best, and then a week before the wedding, they receive that one dress in the perfect size, ready to go.
0: Let me ask you this question. So you send me the dress, I try it on, you've given me two sizes, and now am I contacting your website to, like, make adjustments, like saying, okay, this is a little too long, this size fit, but this one didn't really do this. Like, what's happening that actually, am I sending the dress back to you? Like, how does that process work?
1: So, yeah, you receive the two try-on dresses, and then you actually were send both back and we send you a dress from a separate stock of ours that's in more pristine condition and hasn't gone out for a ton of try-on. So we actually send you an even better quality dress the week before the wedding. The interesting thing about sizing is a lot of people ask, what about alterations and how do I know that it's going to fit? The average woman spends about $100 altering a bridesmaid dress and that's on top of 300 she's already spent to purchase it and she's never going to wear it again. So one of the crazy things that I've learned about this industry is the reason basically behind why there's so many alterations done. Think of the concept of how many times have you altered a dress that you bought off the rack? So not a bridesmaid dress, just any other dress. Probably not often, right? Right. So bridesmaid dresses, though, you probably alter almost every time. So the difference is in the bridal space, typically you don't get to try on the dress in the sizes before you commit. So it's a made-to-order business. So you actually go in, you try on the dress, in a giant sample size and they place an order fee because it's made to order, they suggest ordering up, which makes sense, right? If if it comes a month before the wedding and it doesn't fit, then you have a major issue. So they have you order typically a larger size than you need. By providing the try-on with the two sizes, we actually let you try on the two sizes that will fit you best and you don't need to order up a larger size. Most of them actually have not had to alter whatsoever and they fit into one of our two sizes very well.
0: That's a very true point. I don't think I've ever really recognized that until you said it is that sort of the tradition and the expectation of a bridesmaid's dress and a wedding dress for that matter is that you're going to alter it. Like here's here's the platform, here's a template, and now let's alter it. And that's just part of the process. And you very quickly just show somebody else the alternative, which is, hey, if you went and bought a dress down at your local Macy's or whatever like that, you really wouldn't be altering it. So all we're doing is helping you find the right size. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, a lot of other things built in as well, including how often do you go to the store and purchase a dress now versus whatever it may be, sitting on your couch late at night and you order a dress online, you at least have the option to order almost anything you want to buy these days online. And that's not really true for bridesmaid dresses. So we're also trying to bring the convenience of online and a lot of other improvements, let's say, to this industry. So we're very excited.
0: So you are a brand new business. You really just launched last year in 2013 in the spring. So I really want to delve in and really put a magnifying glass on what it has taken to get your company ready and what you guys have been experiencing this in this first year, because I think that's really important to know. So the first question I want to ask you in this is, was there anything out there like that when you guys launched? You just said it. I mean, you can order dresses online all the time. But was there anything in this specific space?
1: I mean, of course, that was the first thing we did, right, was market research. And there's no one offering designer bridesmaid dress rentals, right? So for us, the key was it's the designer dresses. It's the ones the bride really wants her bridesmaids wearing, right? Because she's going to have photos of that day around her home forever, most likely. So the bride really wants those designer dresses, but the bridesmaids, on the other hand, they're paying for it, they're wearing it, and they know that they're never gonna wear it again and they're probably gonna be bridesmaid numerous times. So for us it was really what are the pain points in the industry? We believe in renting designer bridesmaids dresses and no one was doing it. So I actually had this idea before business school and in all honesty figured by the time I graduated business school and would be ready to start this, it would already exist. So I was happily surprised, I guess you can say, that it didn't exist, but also feeling a bit horrible for all the bridesmaids out there and feeling like it needed to exist. It was time to happen
0: so in your market research as far as like seeing what was out there were you also sort of testing the market as far as at the very least sort of asking women around if they would do it or sort of setting up that some sort of a sampling that that you could at least see and see if there was a real need in the marketplace
1: of course and i mean i think that's probably you know the first step for any new business right is making sure that your audience wants it if you build an amazing product or service. And it turns out only you want it or even only a few thousand people want it. It's not going to be a successful, scalable business. So it's making sure that a large part of the market research is there sufficient demand for what what you're thinking and what you're offering. And I think with probably every business out there, they enter the market thinking that they know exactly what their customer wants and it's X, and they learn from customer feedback, et cetera, that actually it's not that, it's Y, which is either a slight tweak on it Or it's something completely different, which is, you know, so it's really being receptive to what your customers are saying to you and listening to that. So, yeah, we started by doing a lot of market research. We would do focus groups with brides, focus groups with bridesmaids, surveys, just did a lot of different research out there. We talked to the designers, we talked to store owners, kind of everyone who's involved in that entire life cycle of the bridesmaid dress process and, and learned a ton from it.
0: And so what else were you needing to create and organize or prepare during this time? You were doing your market research, but you guys are are an e-commerce site. Like, What kind of energies had to go into doing some research or getting your website ready, for example?
1: So the interesting thing for us is that we started working on this while I was in business school. So I entered business school with this idea and we have certain classes, you know, like business plan development where you need to develop a business plan and you need to pick a business to develop it based on. So I would kind of raise my hand and say, hey guys I have an idea who wants to to work on this business with me. So we actually started doing that through classes which is wonderful and I had classmates who would participate and we would spend class time doing that. So that was great but yes I mean there's a lot of components. So first and foremost it was market research then it was kind of getting an idea of pricing out there, right, of how much are these dresses cost, how much will the dry cleaning cost, figuring out kind of our end-to-end expenses and, you know, what are the economics behind this model. Our website came, honestly, a bit later on. I mean, we had already worked on this and the idea and done a lot of research for about two years before we actually put up a website. And the good thing is that now there's a lot of – tools that you can use online to build a website pretty quickly and easily there's a lot of templates out there that you can use we found a a developer and they developed our site that it is possible obviously to do it on your own but for us it was really being a lean and scrappy startup and trying to spend as little money as possible and do as much as we could with as little as possible and you know make it last as long as we could so that's really how it got started
0: So walk us through your actual financial model. So you know, you're pricing out. And you know, very clearly that most bridesmaids are spending anywhere between 300 to $1,000 for their whole bridesmaid dress experience, let's say. So you guys come in and you're saying, hey, you're just going to rent it basically for the day, the week, whatever it is. So how did you actually figure out pricing? What is that pricing? What's the financial model of all of this?
1: First and foremost, I'll let you know a a statistic that surprised me. The average cost of being
0: a bridesmaid in one wedding is $1,800. Whoa. And that's the U.S. average. Are you kidding (laughs) me? Exactly. I never would have guessed it was that much.
1: Yeah, and that's everything involved, right? That's the shower and the gift and the travel and everything. But, I mean, you think of... Women are typically bridesmaids when they're in their twenties and thirties. That's not really the time in your life when you have a lot of disposable income. You're probably just getting started and just developing your career. So it, it it's kind of a scary number when you look at it and think that a lot of these women are a few years out of college and yeah, have to spend all that money. So anyway, that's a that's the fun stat on on the bridesmaids process. So what we do is we work with the top bridal designers, well, as I mentioned, working with the best designers really was key for us. So we partnered with the top bridesmaid dress designers, and we purchased the dresses directly from them, so they're brand new. And our dresses retail from two to 500 We rent them from 95 to 125 So you save at least half, but up to 75% off of the price. For us, obviously, purchasing the dresses from the designers. And then the beauty of this model is the rental, right? So being able to rent a dress numerous times makes it profitable.
0: Right. What's the life cycle of a dress? You have two types of dresses on hand. It sounds or two phases of dresses, I guess. So one is really the nice one maybe the newer one out of the bucket that goes to the bridesmaids a week before the wedding. And then the other is sort of the trial runs where those two are getting sent out so they can sort of try them on. And I'm assuming that those are towards the end of their life cycle. So what is that life cycle of the dresses? Yep, yep. No, that's,
1: I mean, that's pretty much it. We buy it from the designers and it comes and it enters our stock for the actual wedding day. And then when it's no longer in pristine or perfect condition, it's retired to the try-on stock. And then once we're it's retired out of the try-on stock, we actually donate it to charities for women in need who are looking for prom dresses or special occasion dresses and things along those lines.
0: How cool. What a great system. I really like that. So you talked about your website. So you have all this sort of stuff. Can you talk a little bit about when you first came out of the gate? And even now what you guys are doing to actually get traffic? Like how do you get people to know about what you're doing? That
1: was definitely a big question. And you know, even a concern of ours a few months ago. So what we did is we opened the site for private launch last September, and we put up a Facebook page prior to that we had 200 likes on Facebook. Probably most of them were my friends. Let's be honest. Um, and we announced on the Facebook page in September that, "Hey, we're opening our private launch. Like we're ready to to serve bridesmaids." And within probably two weeks, we had at least four hundred potential bridesmaids signed up. So it's just one of those things that we found that okay, we had about two hundred of, of our personal friends who already knew that we were already working with brides. So it was really just the sharing aspect and the viral aspect of women really want this. So that was exciting. We started working with the demand and then people started hearing about us and we were getting a little bit of press here and there. And then last week, Yahoo wrote an article on us and put it on their homepage. And that drove tens of thousands of people to our site and signing up for the site and everything. So for us, it's really been, we haven't needed to focus on marketing yet. Just the idea has been so viral and women have clearly been looking for something like this, that that's really all we've needed to rely on now, which is
0: wonderful. And what have been some of your biggest challenges that you've had right out of the gate?
1: There's a lot of challenges. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of them, uh, that just of what we were just speaking of, is how do you deal with the demand when you have a large surge in demand. So when we're sitting there, I woke up on Sunday morning, was planning to take my first day off in a while and take my dog on a hike and refresh my inbox, 8 a.m. on Sunday, and all of a sudden I had a thousand emails. I knew something had happened, and that was the day that we were on Yahoo's homepage. So things just got crazy from there. So it's really, one of the biggest challenges is really, how do you grow in a way that you're responsive to your demand, but you're also still staying true, at least for us, to our lean and scrappy roots. And we don't want to grow too quickly. And so there's this fine balance between being smart and growing in a smart way and kind of going crazy in our minds. And so we're always trying to to balance between the two. Another interesting challenge for us was signing the designers on. So I just started cold calling the top bridal designers and asking to talk to whoever was in charge of their sales departments and sitting down with them saying, hey, we want to rent your dresses. For a lot of them, they weren't involved with e-commerce at all and then of course not rental and so it was a new concept for them so convincing a, a whole new set of people that rental and the shared economy was going to be a good thing for their business so things along those lines have been interesting challenges that were happily passed at this point or at least the latter one we are but interesting challenges along the way plenty of them
0: what most fascinates me about your business model is the fact that your e-commerce so people are coming they're they're choosing this dress in this size and this color, and they're hitting order. And now you have fulfillment, right? So now you have to fulfill Mm -hmm. and now you have a whole delivery model. So now all of a sudden, you sort of become like an Amazon, like you're doing this delivery, and they're actually returning it to you. So how do you manage all of those pieces? Because that's not just an e commerce business. That's sort of an amalgamation of all sorts of different types of businesses, a delivery business, a little bit of the back end fulfillment, there's the e commerce component. So how are you managing all of that?
1: Mm -hmm. No, I mean, that's a great great thing that you recognize that for us. I mean, we really are an operational business, right? As much as we would love to be a fashion business, our business really is based on the operations. And you're right, a traditional e-commerce company, you get an order and you send the item out and you're done, right? And and a small percentage of cases, you'll have a return. For us, we get an order, we send the two dresses out. We always receive two dresses back. We send one dress out after that. We receive that one dress back. So there's a lot of extra components and complexity built into our model. And it's really for us and about finding really smart people who can help us think through the process and and solve all of those challenges. But it's definitely something that we, we learn on a daily basis.
0: Do you have any operational tools that you use that are vital to making sure that that whole system flows really well? We're, we're working on them. <laughs> so we're, those are
1: in the works now.
0: And you know what, even as I have found those operational tools, even when you do get them, I mean, there's, you know, years down the road, you need to completely revamp them, you're constantly evolving them. I mean, there's, they're so vital to your business, but they're always kind of evolving and changing.
1: Exactly, exactly. And as you know, as is the company and as is everything else, right? As the team grows, it's constantly trying to figure out the best ways to keep in touch and manage everyone and help everyone do whatever their job is to accomplish their milestones, and etc. So, oh, yes, always changing and evolving in a startup.
0: What have been some of the biggest lessons for you as a brand new entrepreneur, really? I mean, somebody who's really for the first time just kind of jumped right into this business idea full force it didn't sound like you really had a hesitation it just sounded like okay let's go let's create the plan what have been some of the biggest lessons that you've learned over these past years of you know this entire process
1: Well, there's been a ton, but I will have you know that it was not such an easy decision. I wish I could say I was that risk averse and just blindly jump in. But if you ask my parents or my best friends, they will tell you very differently. But no, yeah, obviously, it was a decision of, you know, do I go back to corporate America and go the safe route? Or do I take this risk and try something new? And after talking to a lot of people that I love and trust and respect, it was, you know, I'm I'm relatively young, time to do this now. If you don't do it now, when will you really do it? So definitely got started there. And there's, such a learning process and there's been so many lessons along the way i think one of them is definitely the people that you surround you with yourself with are so key and so important and you're as an entrepreneur at least for myself i, I know that i'm always learning so i want to be learning from other people who are more experienced and have more knowledge in in different fields and what you'll find is that as you go out to talk to people you're going to get advice all over the spectrum. You're literally going to hear both extremes of advice, or at least that's what I have found. And so one of those lessons really was, okay, go out and I try and listen to a lot of the different advice. And then you to take, take a step back and really think about it for yourself and your business. What makes the most sense for you? It doesn't mean anyone is wrong. It's just what makes the most sense for you? And they're probably all viable routes, but it's really up to you to kind of decide, okay, it's my business. What what do I want to do? So really being, taking that time to say, okay, Either whose advice do I trust the most or who has the most expertise here or what just feels right like for me. It's definitely been a lot of, you know, you have your gut instincts about certain things and you run with that. So finding people that you, you trust, going to the people who are more experienced than you for advice has always been a great thing for me. Also just finding champions, right? People who believe in you, whether that's some of your investors and or, you know, other people in, in your industry or related industries the power of that is just amazing, right? So whether you, you're just looking for advice or you think you hit a wall with something and then someone unexpected will say, Oh, I actually know that person. Or, I know someone who, you know, could help you solve this problem. So really the importance of your your network and the people around you has been a huge, an amazing, wonderful lesson.
0: What have been one of the biggest surprises that you've had since you started this company?
1: I think for me honestly, the biggest surprise Overall, has been the way that the bridal industry operates compared to the way that the traditional retail models are, so for ready to wear, or just the way that society is going of, of being so technology driven, and we're all used to one click shopping and buying anything we want online, and the fact that for some bridal companies, they weren't even online in in 2013, or they did not have e-commerce. There's a lot of progress to be made in that industry, which I think is really exciting. And there's a lot of amazing people who are are trying to push it forward. And I think that's that's wonderful. So bringing it into the 21st century is, is kind of what we like to say.
0: So you guys are really on the front of that innovation in this particular niche of this industry. Have there been any followers? Anyone else been jumping into the scene since you guys came on board?
1: Um, we kind of people who have you know thought of the idea, et cetera. But for us, it's always about there's always going to be competition and competition is good in that, it proves that there's a market and it proves that there's a demand. and that's wonderful. But at the end of the day, it's really about we want to execute our company based on our vision and be true to ourselves. And that's really been, at the end of the day, there are competitors in every industry, right? And so we want to execute in the best way and the way that feels most authentic for us. And then the hope is obviously that our customers love that experience and
0: come and stay with us, of course. What do you do when you get really (laughs) stressed out? That's
1: a good question. I eat a lot of candy would probably be the answer. Um,
0: (laughs) I'm so glad I'm not the only one that has that answer. (laughs) Oh, if you come into our office,
1: we always have (laughs) both sides of candy and marble. What I honestly do is I I have a dog and he's our office dog and he's a great stress reliever for everyone. But, you know, if I'm super stressed or just more so, it's it's a big question in my mind, right? Either it's an important decision and I've heard that advice all around the, all across the spectrum or I'm just there's something laying on my mind that I really need to make a decision on. I'll, I'll take my dog out and take him for a five-minute walk and just try and think and get away from the office and get away from the computer. I would love to say that I go running, but I don't really do that. So that probably wouldn't. I, if I can fit it in, I do. But, yeah, right now I'm just work heads down working seven days a week, crazy hours. But when you love something, it, it's fun. It's not a job.
0: I want to kind of jump back to something that you mentioned earlier, because I think that this is something that every growing business person really feels. And even those women working in corporate, I think that they feel this too, which is when you've got something that is growing and you feel like you're bursting at the seams and you want to stay lean and mean, how do you deal with sort of that emotional bipolarness of needing to get something done, wanting to fund it smartly, wanting it to grow kind of in the way that it should not too fast, not too slow, but you're sort of always vibrating with this kind of like urgency. How do you deal with that? Do you have that first and foremost? Do you feel that because I I can absolutely say that I do. So that's sort of, you know, me projecting there. But do you feel that? And if so, how do you really deal with that?
1: Yeah, no, I I think 100%. On one side of the table, you're looking and saying, wow, there's tens of thousands of people who want to use my service and who want to have this great experience. And then on the other hand... You'll raise some, some venture capital funding and think that's okay, if I get funding, that is going to solve all my problems and will be great. And then a lot of entrepreneurs I've talked to, the minute you close the funding and you have it in the bank, then you're terrified of using it. Not that you don't, but you start thinking about every dollar and you want to make sure you're spending it in the right way. So it is such a challenge. And I think for me, what I've always come back to and my whole team does is really what is that customer experience for each and every one of our customers? So for us, staying lean and staying scrappy means that we can be focused very intently on each and every one of our existing customers and give them the level of service that we would want to receive as customers versus if we go out and try and grow very rapidly and, and expand and you know meet all of the demand out there, there's going to be mistakes made and everyone won't have the same high level of service. So for us, it's really about what's best for the customers that we have now and how can we grow in a manageable way where everyone gets the same level of service. And I think that's really the thing for us that brings it back home and says, yep, you're right. Okay. We're not going to try and fulfill 10,000 orders this month alone because they wouldn't all have that great level of service. So for us, it's a long-term goal. You know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. We'd rather have a, an amazing company for a long time than a lot of success initially and, and people not have an amazing experience and go from there so
0: Kelsey have there been any books that have really impacted how you're running this company well to your last question the lean startup I think is a
1: is a perennial favorite and that's definitely something that that I've kept in mind and this idea of testing and iterating and always going back to the customers and and making sure we're we're running as a lean startup that's definitely one of my favorites
0: And amidst this time of seven days a week type of work to keep up with everything and to keep it moving forward, what keeps you fired up? Like, what is that that really keeps you coming into the office every day and wanting to be challenged and keep on pushing through it? What is that that keeps you fired up?
1: Yeah, I think it's really honestly just the, the passion for the idea. And I think that's what's so critical. I've worked with other startups before and for me, when you're really passionate about the idea and you've got that team around you and you know that you're all contributing so significantly to building something and to building something that you love, it really doesn't feel like a job. I mean, I, when the first to admit, I'm not really a morning person and I'm finding myself staying up and working till 2 a.m. and getting up at 8 a.m. And, you know, getting up and running and you're excited and there's, so much to do. I think that's the other thing is my to do list is quite long. As with any entrepreneur and, and most other people, you've got a long, continuous list, and it's all things that you want to get done, right? So it's. I know that you know I want to do this to improve the business or to think about this new potential partnership, but you have to keep the day to day going, and so that's really I think the most exciting for me is, and that keeps us motivated. Of okay, this is our our baby, our project, and just loving what we're doing and the team that we have. That's definitely the best, the best support.
0: What is the best business advice that you've ever received? Ooh, that
1: is a hard question. One was deliver unexpected joy. Um, I really liked that. So very con- customer, customer and consumer facing. And then the all-time favorite of under promise over deliver. So I think there's a, you know, there's a lot of, of phrases out there that may be a bit overused, but there's, there's knowledge in them.
0: I love the fact that you guys are just so customer service based I mean that sounds very obvious from what you are doing. What kind of process you have on the back end to be able to handle customer service throughout your operational project.
1: Well, first and foremost, I mean, we have a great customer service team. So what you, when you're right, when you're dealing with weddings and brides and bridesmaids, it's such an important day in, the, in their lives that it's not when you're ordering to off Amazon, right? It's not a you know quick, quick purchase. There's emotion involved in it, and there's a lot of people you know related to this decision. So for us, it's definitely being able to be there for the brides. And a lot of our brides call us and talk to us, and they're so thrilled to share all the details of their big day, and, of course, that's Fun for us to listen to. And then we provide them that great service and they become part of our, our Val family and our friends, basically. So that's great. And it starts with the team, definitely for us. But then there are those back end systems. You know, and we have our, our customer relationship uh, management tools and, and we have the back end of our system. And having them linked up is obviously huge for us. So we can kind of, as we grow, we automate more and more on the back end. And so that everyone on our team has more and more time to actually. Talk to the brides and focus on the customer.
0: Kelsey, I really want to bring this conversation to a close by asking you, what is your vision for Vow to Be Chic?
1: So the short term vision is definitely to make the process of being a bridesmaid and the entire experience for the bride and the bridesmaids more fun, more convenient you know, more cost-efficient and less stressful. So really bringing it back to being an honor and a fun process and less of an expensive honor. And that's the, you know, that's the immediate vision. So starting with size dresses and, and going into other related categories there. But then obviously as we learn more and more about the business and talk to our customers about what they want, there's obviously a lot of other ways for us to grow in the future into other areas in the wedding space and beyond. So for us, it's really about connecting with the women on planning one of the the most important days of their lives and really helping them have an amazing experience.
0: Kelsey, I really, really, really want to thank you so much for sharing your business story here. There were a lot of really good nuggets in there, just kind of the how to of what you are doing right now. You're fulfilling such a unique space. And I think you're doing it so intelligently. And obviously, you have a whole following of people who are really wanting it. So I really wish you the best of luck. You're doing great, great things. Thank you so much for being so open about, you know, what you're going through in your business right now. I really appreciate you being here.
1: Of course. No, thank you for having us. It was wonderful to talk with you and I'm excited to let more women know and help more women down the road. So thank you so much.
0: To get all the notes from today's episode, you can go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash 31. And there you'll find all the great quotes that I got from Kelsey today, as well as the direct link to her website to go check her out. If you loved what you heard, I would love for you to spread the word, go share with a friend, let them know about this cool community, let them know about these podcasts, and spread the message of this awesome community. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, you still there? Just for the record, I'm recording in my car right now. Mm. Booyah!